Several years ago, my wife and I began to understand and practice the promise of Jesus about the power of agreement. I have to confess to you that for a number of years, I would read the promise, and I did not understand everything about it. I did not comprehend really what Jesus is saying. It's in Matthew 18, 19, and 20. Here's what Jesus said. If two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. I must make another confession. The fact that some preachers take that promise and I kind of wave it about like a magic wand kind of turned me off. And I wondered whether this is really a literal promise. But then I realized that just because somebody abuses the Scripture, just because someone takes the Scripture out of context, just because someone misuses the Scripture should not be a reason for me to ignore it. And then within that same period of time, I was reading and studying in depth the Peter's first epistle. And then I came to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. And there Peter is talking about unity and agreement between husband and wife. And then he made a very curious statement in that verse after that instruction. He said, lest your prayers may be hindered. And then I began to really focus on this. What does that mean about my prayer be hindered? And then I began to study the whole concept of unity in the entire Scripture. Unity in the home. Unity in the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. Here's what I've learned, very simply, that when a husband and wife are united in agreement in prayer. I'm not saying, well, one wants to pray one way and the other one said, well, I just go along with you. That's, you know, what me to do. I, I just go along. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when a husband and wife are in absolute, total agreement, mind, soul, and spirit, that somehow in the economy of God that I may never understand this side of heaven until I go to heaven, somehow in the economy of God, God is going to answer that prayer. While I cannot give you chapter and verse as to the reason why this power of agreement, I am personally convinced that the reason for the two, at least two, it have to be in total agreement is because if one is praying something that is totally outside of the Word of God or outside of the will of God, the other person not only would not agree with them, but indeed rebuke them. The psalmist said, how beautiful it is when the brethren dwell together in unity, there the blessings of the Lord flow, that there is a spiritual blessing that in store when two believers in Jesus Christ, when husband and wife can come in agreement, in absolute agreement, soul and spirit. And if you read the Scripture carefully, you'll understand that this is the character of God. From Genesis to Revelation, you see that the Godhead is one unit, that the Godhead is totally united that the Holy Trinity is one. And if you read it again and again in the book of Genesis, particularly in the early chapters, 
God said, let us, let us, let us, in absolute, total unity of agreement. So, from the time I began to learn these great truths from the Word of God, my wife and I can testify to you that in the times in desperation, we came in total agreement, and they came in prayer, seeking the Lord. We can testify to you how again and again God supernaturally intervened. God supernaturally answered our prayers. But I think I know what some of you are thinking right at this moment. (laughs) Some of you are probably thinking, Michael, are you trying to tell me that God will not answer my individual prayer? No, that's not what I'm saying. So don't misunderstand me. In fact, Jesus talks about going into the closet and shutting the door and praying. So that God does answer individual prayer. God answers a person's prayer when it is prayed according to the will of God. But also let me recommend to you that you would hook up with a godly person. A man would hook up with a godly man, and a woman would hook up with a godly woman. When you are about to pray for something supernatural, when you're about to pray for God's intervention, come together in absolute agreement, a brother with a brother and a sister with a sister, and watch and see how God honors His promise. This teaching that God brought into my life and brought into our lives a few years ago was proven to me empirically this week as I once again began to study Genesis 27. Now, let me remind you that in the last message, I hinted at the fact that Isaac and Rebekah's lack of unity, lack of agreement in obedience to the Word of God, lack in faith over the revealed will of God, exasperated the tension between the two sons, Jacob and Esau. In this message, I want to elaborate on this as we see it in Genesis 27. In the last message, we saw how God revealed His will to Rebekah, even when the boys were still in her womb, that God revealed to her that the older shall serve the younger, which is a reversal of the cultural norm. We saw that how God revealed to Rebekah and Isaac that the promises that God gave to Abraham, that the coming Messiah is going to come through Jacob and not Esau. We also saw that Rebekah favored Jacob, but Isaac favored Esau. Also, we saw how Esau was so careless, he was so impulsive, that he sold his birthright for a cup of soup. That's what it was. So, what is next in this biblical saga? Years have passed, and Isaac had grown old. And as Isaac grew old, his eyes gave up strength. In other words, he was stricken by blindness, and he couldn't see very well. And so, the time had come for him to pass the blessing of his father Abraham into his son. Now, I want to ask you a question, and I want to yell the answer back. This is an interactive sermon. Which son do you think that he should have passed a blessing to? The cultural norm says you pass a blessing to the older son, right? 
So, what he should have passed a blessing to is what God said, not what culture said. Amen, Amen belongs here. <laughs> but what did he do? He tried to pass the blessing to whom? Esau. Why? Why on God's earth would Isaac do this when he knew that God's revealed will is very clear? That God spelled it out to Rebekah while the boys were still in the womb. Why would he do that when God clearly spelled out his will to them? Here's the problem. You see, Isaac's problem wasn't just Isaac's problem. It's your problem. And just before he jumped the gun, it's my problem too. (laughs) It's all of our problems. Do you know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. Listen carefully. The reason Isaac was doing his transaction of passing the blessing on Esau when God says, Jacob, the reason he was doing it in secret and he was whispering it in Esau's ear, (laughs) but mother was listening through the door and she heard it. The reason he was doing this because he was doing the wrong thing. Isaac here was trying to use God to get his way, not God's way. So what is Isaac's problem? What's your problem? What's my problem? Here it is. We often act on our emotions instead of acting on the truth of the Word of God. We often respond to our feelings instead of in obedience to God. We often allow impulses to get the best of us instead of God. We often try to circumvent the Word of God in favor of our desires, in favor of our preferences. That's why it's your problem. That's why it's my problem. It's not a new problem. It's a continuous problem. You don't do that, do you? No. And that is why he was doing it secretly. But I want to remind you, this is a series on the grace of God, not on the failure of Isaac and family. Now, let me remind you again, this is a series on the grace of God. It is about the grace of God overruling and overwhelming even our worst failures. And that is why I want you to listen up. It is tragic. It is tragic to see a man at odds with his family who are only out to get what they can out of him. But you know what's even more tragic is to see a man at odds with God's Word and God's will. It's tragic to see a man who's trying to circumvent the Word of God and the will of God. But here's the good news about Isaac. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20, It says that Isaac was a man of faith. Here we are, a few thousand years later, and the writer, same Holy Spirit, writing the Bible, in the book of Hebrews says, Isaac was a man of faith. And he said, wait a minute, Michael, you're confusing me here. You just done told me that Isaac has we're trying to disobey God, and he was trying to do what is cultural, and instead of doing what is biblical, what's God said to him. And now you're telling me that the New Testament calls him a man of faith. What's going on here? I'm going to tell you what's going on. The reason for this is that later when Isaac was caught in his deception, 
when his son Esau comes in and he finds out what happened, the Bible said he trembles. Do you know what that means? He was trembling in the fact that he was about to commit a great sin against God. And that is why he repented of his sin, and then he blessed his son Jacob a second time and sent him on. And that is why the Bible calls him a man of faith. Isn't that great? Here's something about the grace of God. This is a freebie just to take home with you. (laughs) The grace of God overrules your failure, overrules my failure, and then gives us credit for it. Isn't that incredible? That's what it does. That's exactly what is happening here. But some have said to me through the years, I've heard it many times, but Michael, don't you think Rebecca's use of Jacob to deceive her husband Isaac is doing the will of God? Don't you agree on this? After all, Rebecca received an oracle from the Lord, and therefore she was not merely looking out for her favorite son. She was just obeying God. She was trying to save the day give her a break. (laughs) And she was trying to stop her husband from making this terrible mistake. She was merely trying to bring about the will of God. She was merely trying to stop her husband from making this unwise decision, trying to stop her husband from going against the will of God. After all, this was not a disagreement over what kind of living room furniture they should have. This is not just a disagreement over what school we put our kids into. This is not just a disagreement about what sports our kids are going to play. No, 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 no. You've got to understand this was either doing the will of God or disobeying the will of God. So please give Rebecca a break. (laughs) I would love to give her all the break in the world. Trust me. After all, Rebecca understood that once a blessing is given, it can never go back. Time is of the essence here. Time is short. So, what does a believing wife do under the circumstances? Does not the end justify the means? And what's a little deception among family? (laughs) Have you recognized the temptation yet? It is Satan's favorite temptation. (laughs) I promise you, Satan has some favorites. This is number one on top of his list. This is his most favorite temptation of all. He say, well, Michael, how do you know that? Well, he repeats it in the Bible over and over and over again. Look what he did with Jesus in the wilderness. He goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, <laughs> you know and I know that you are destined to be the king of the universe. I know you left the glories of heaven to come to earth, and, and, and that's your destiny. I know that's your destiny. Jesus, you know, and I know, you are destined to be the judge of the world. I, we know that. Now, since you know and I know that's your destiny, just let me show you an easy way to your destination. There is a simple way to achieve what you came from heaven to achieve. Let me take you there. (laughs) Brother, when you hear that, just run. Run. Always be leery of Satan's shortcuts. Always be leery of Satan's shortcuts. 
As most of you know and you've heard me tell you this, I have no sense of direction. And therefore, when somebody says to me, let me show you a shortcut, I said, forget it. Because every time with my lack of sense of direction, every time I try to take a shortcut, I always get lost. Always. Be leery of Satan's shortcuts. Here's the question that you always must ask yourself. Here's the question. Can God fulfill His promises to me without my help? You answer it yourself. Can God fulfill His promises to me without my help? And here's something else that you must never forget. (laughs) You cannot overcome one sin by committing another. You cannot overcome one sin by committing another sin. That's never God's way. It's never the Father's way. So what should Rebecca, what should she do? What could she have done? I'm going to tell you exactly what she should have done. Listen carefully. She should have gone to Isaac and said to him, Zeke, my darling, (laughs) Zeke, my buttercup, or whatever the equivalent is in Hebrew, Zeke, sweetie pie, I overheard what you're about to do over there with Esau. (laughs) Have you forgotten what God said? Have you forgotten God's oracle to us about the boys? Have you forgotten how God heard your cries on my behalf and blessed us with those two boys? Have you forgotten the promises of God? Have you forgotten what your father Abraham said to you and taught you? Have you forgotten? It's like the man who said, my wife and I had words last night, but unfortunately I didn't get to use mine. (laughs) Somebody would say, well, Michael, back then they couldn't speak to their husbands that way. Oh, yes, they could. You saw how at the end of the chapter, when she went to her husband and says, I'm about to die. I'm going to die. My son Esau is married all these Canaanites. They're going to kill me. Send my boy Jacob to his uncle so he can marry from among my people. What did Jacob do? He did what every man would do. And he said, yes, (laughs) ma'am. And that is why she could have very easily challenged her husband about the mistake that he was about to make. Do you know what I think, honestly? Why I think Rebecca did not say anything to her husband? First of all, I think that by that time, Isaac was beginning to suffer from the hardness, not of the arteries, but of the heart. And she thought she could never get to him. But there's something else. I think it's much more important. I am personally convinced that communication between Isaac and Rebekah had been broken down years earlier. I think that Isaac and Rebekah had stopped communicating with each other long time ago. And beloved, I want to tell you, when communication between husband and wife ceases to exist, Sin is always, always 
easily and readily available. When communication between husband and wife breaks down, Satan is always waiting in the wings with the shiny one. Whenever communication between husband and wife goes by the wayside, what often takes place is power struggle, silent treatment, and deception. Rebecca, not only that she was wrong in what she did, she set a terrible example for her boys. Terrible example. My beloved friends, let me tell you something. Something I learned the hard way, that children are far less inclined to hear the words we speak as much as watch what we do. They really do. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about what an incredible missed opportunity on Rebecca's part to teach her boys to trust in the Lord, to instruct them in the Word of God, to repeat what God had revealed to her, what His Word is, what His will is, to learn to believe in the Lord no matter what. To use Abraham's example of waiting for the Lord for 25 years, even at times when he failed, God kept his word because God is faithful. But instead, Jacob learned the art of deception from his mama, and Esau learned to harden his heart in rebellion. Ah, somebody says, okay, Michael, you must be saying that whatever problems I may have, that are direct result of my parents' failure, then they are to blame for my life. I did not say a thing of a sort. Listen to me. <laughs> Listen to me. You've heard me long enough to know that this is baloney, absolute baloney, because Esau and Jacob are to take the blame for their action. They cannot pass the blame on mom and dad. They are responsible adults. My beloved friend, listen to me. Probably the majority of our parents have made mistakes with us. The older I get, the more I realize that probably there are very few people who have not had parents who made mistakes with them. But there is no excuse for any of us to spend the rest of our lives blaming our parents. There has to come a time in our lives when we say, whatever mistakes our parents made, we are responsible for who we are. We are responsible for ourselves. Whatever disappointments and heartaches I may have experienced growing up, now I have no excuse. Whatever pain my parents may have caused me growing up, the grace of God wants to rule and overrule those mistakes and those sins and those failures. The grace of God wants to wash and to cleanse in your life. The grace of God is ready to heal you. The grace of God is ready to enfold you. The grace of God is ready to embrace you. The grace of God is ready to empower you. The grace of God is ready to envelop you. The grace of God is ready to restore all those years that have been eaten by the locusts. I told you, the series of messages is about the grace of God. And so I end where I began. 
on the power of agreement in prayer. Had Isaac and Rebekah been united in prayer? Had Isaac and Rebekah been united in purpose? Had Isaac and Rebekah been united in obedience, the story would have written, been written differently. But the Bible is about the revelation, not of their failure, but of the grace of God dealing with their failure. And the Bible holds these people up for us so that we can say, <laughs> and so that I may say to every one of you, are you experiencing hardness of the heart? There is hope for you in Christ. Turn to Him today. Are you experiencing the pangs of guilt and shame because of past deception? There is hope for you in Christ today. Turn to Him. Are you experiencing a sense of unworthiness? There is every hope of, in Christ today for you. Turn to Him. Are you discouraged and defeated because you took some shortcuts in the past and you're paying for it today? There is every hope for you in Christ. Turn to Him today. There is hope in the living Christ. Are you experiencing disunity in your home, in your marriage relationship? There is every hope in Christ for you to have unity in Christ. Turn to Him. Is your family under attack because of sin in the past that constantly Satan is using like a leash to pull you on? There is every living hope in Christ for you today. Turn to Him. Turn to Him. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.